course of our nation's history, the people of Boston rallied bravely whenever the rights of men have been threatened. Today, a new crisis has arisen. Citizens, hear me out. This could happen to you. surprise, drama, and that's, that's good. Uh, that is, the artist needn't apologize for just doing that, because in doing that, the, the artist is telling us 
what the world should be like, even if it isn't that way now. And the artist is, is taking us away from the moments of horror that we experience every day in this world, some days more than others, and, and showing us something else, showing us what is possible. There's no need for an artist to apologize about just giving us something that is passionate and beautiful and funny or any of those. No, no need to apologize for that. But there is more. As the artist can do more, yes, should, should do more. Not only that, but more. Because the artist is also a citizen, the artist is a human being. I mean, I face that in a different way in that uh, if I'm, uh, if I can be classified, well, yeah, the, the society classifies me. I say, I'm a historian. That scares me. <laughs> to be classified, I'm a historian. But I don't want to be just a historian. And, but the, the society uh, disciplines us. It puts us into a discipline. You're a historian. You're a businessman. You're an engineer. You're a this. You're a that. And the first thing somebody asks you at a cocktail party is, what do you do? <laughs> Which means, uh, you know, what, what is your profession? What is your, you know, how are you categorized? And the problem is that people begin to think that that's what they are and that's all they are, that they're professionals in something. And you hear the word professionalism being used, and people say, you've got to be professional. Whenever you hear the word, I get a little scared, because uh, that limits human beings to working within the limits set by this you know, profession. As a historian, I, I would face this, and there would be, during the Vietnam War, there would be meetings of, of historians. Uh, can you imagine what a wonderful feeling that is? To be among 2,000 historians at a meeting. Uh, and, uh, and I remember during the Vietnam War, the question was, at one of our great meetings of historians, the war was raging in Southeast Asia, and the question was, should historians take a stand on the war? And there was a big debate on this. Really, there's a big debate on this. And uh, some of us you know, introduced a resolution saying, you know, we historians think the United States should get out of Vietnam. A simple little thing. And then there were others who said, no. Uh, it's, not, it's not that we don't think the United States should stay in Vietnam. It's not that at all. It's just that we're historians. It's not our business. Hey, whose business is it? So the historian says it's not my business, and the businessman says it's not my business, and the lawyer says it's not my business, and you know, the artist says it's not my business, and whose business is it? You mean we're going to leave the business of the most important issues in the world to the people who run the country? <laughs> I mean, how stupid can you be? <laughs> I mean, haven't we had enough experience historically 
with leaving the important decisions to the people in the White House, or the people in Congress, or the people in the Supreme Court, or the people who dominate the economy? We've had lots of experience leaving the important decisions to them because the citizen doesn't know he's a citizen. He thinks he's only a doctor or a lawyer or a historian or an artist or whatever. But back in the 18th century, Rousseau said, you know, I see all sorts of people who are doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that, but where are the citizens among us? You know, everybody, everybody must be involved. There are no experts. Well, there are. I remember during the Vietnam War, I keep going back because that's, you know. There are certain historical moments when learning is more intense than at any other period. I mean, this is one of those moments, too, right now, after September 11th. But Vietnam was one of those moments when learning is compressed uh, into a short span of time and place. And one of the things we learned about during those years was about experts and about when the war started and people would ask questions, why are we there? <laughs> Say, well, listen to the experts. The experts would get on television and tell us why we're there. And I remember the British actor, an artist, right? Actors are artists. Uh, the British actor, Peter Ustinov, spoke out against the war in Vietnam. And then somebody said, Ustinov, he's an actor. <laughs> he's not an expert. And Ustinov replied, there are experts in little things, but there are no experts in big things. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val. Thank you for joining me this Friday. It is July 14th, uh, 2017. You were just listening to a lecture from Howard Zinn, um, the artist uh, role in society. And it is July 14th, which means it is Bastille Day. Um, so... For all of our francophones and francophiles out there, uh, I, I, I'm a huge uh, day for for the country of France. Um, so in so Bastille Day was kind of a monumental uh, turning point during the French Revolution, where uh, the the people stormed the Bastille, which was the prison in the middle of Paris. Um, now they did it for a couple reasons. One of them was that they wanted to get the gunpowder that was inside um, that had been housed there. But they also were able to free a handful of prisoners who were uh, incarcerated at the time. there were, I think there were only maybe seven or eight prisoners who were freed. Um, but the Bastille was also a place where political prisoners were often held. Um, so the storming of the Bastille um, is the French celebration. Uh, and um, so, so um, in, in the light of that, um, uh, I want to dedicate this show today to a French revolutionary feminist playwright, prolific pamphleteer named Olympe de Gouges. 
At a culminating point during the French Revolution, the General Assembly of France was formulating and holding the monarchy's feet to the fire. And they adopted a document forming their republic called the Declaration of the Rights of Man and Citizen. But Olympe de Gouges responded by penning the rights of woman and citizen and dedicated it to Queen Marie Antoinette in 1791. Olympe de Gouges was a young widow who refused to ever marry again and pushed for rights to divorce, inheritance, and intellectual property rights for her plays. One of her plays, one of her early plays was about slavery, but it broke rank by telling the story from the slave's perspective. The Comédie Française accepted the play, but never actually showed it, um, and her subsequent mm, disagreements with the theater company almost got her sent to the Bastille. So her impassioned and articulate orations even once saved a man from going to prison. In her lifetime, slavery was legally abolished within France, but not in the colonies. Yet, state execution by guillotine was instituted. The, royal, the royalty fell to it, and so did she. So it's in her honor today uh, that I present today's program as we look at the legacy of prisons and disparity when it comes to the metering out of justice. Welcome to Women's Magazine. Here's a little music from you, for you um, from French hip-hop artist from Marseille named Kenny Arcana and, uh, Arcana, and her song here is L'Histoire se répète, which means history repeats itself. Personne entend avant tout enfant de la terre les frontières ne sont qu'illusions Une seule et même planète une humanité aux mille facettes Une humanité aux mille couleurs Une humanité qui meurt dans sa chair On a dit non à la guerre, non à la famine, non à la peur de l'autre Non à obéir à la hiérarchie lorsqu'elle prononce des paroles de mort du sud au nord Qu'est-ce qu'on honore, quelles sont les valeurs L'autre est ton miroir, frapper son reflet c'est se frapper soi-même Il brisait ses plus de sept ans de malheur et l'histoire se répète et l'histoire se répète Et l'histoire se répète Et l'histoire se répète On a dit non à la guerre, à la guerre, à la guerre On a dit non On a dit non à la guerre, à la guerre, à la guerre On a dit non Non à la spirale meurtrière C'est toujours les civils qui payent Et toujours les mêmes erreurs qu'hier Dis-moi qui à son cœur est fidèle Et je te dirai qui pense par lui-même à l'ombre d'une querelle millénaire Il ne tient qu'à nous pour rejoindre la lumière on, on a dit non à la mort de l'autre Non à la haine, non au rapport de force Non aux troupes armées d'une vengeance à vivre Dites et terroristes qui leur vendent leurs drogues Qui leur vendent leurs armes c'est bien plus rentable tirer des engins que de faire la paix, trouver des ennemis. L'innocent meurtri il deviendra demain. Et l'histoire se répète. Et l'histoire se répète. 
Et l'histoire se répète Et l'histoire se répète On a dit non à la guerre, à la guerre, à la guerre On a dit Non à la perte humaine que vous dites collatérale Non à l'exploitation de la misère qui pousse à traiter les hommes comme des rats La tête sous l'eau avant de voir le danger On le perçoit à la forme des vagues On ne résout rien à exprimer des pulsions à la force des flammes On a dit non à la guerre depuis qu'on a l'âge de comprendre Par en prison pour une bagarre quand ton pays ne parle que de vengeance De l'art d'être impitoyable, légitime ses attaques avec des tas de palabres qui n'ont rien de vrai quand les bombes éclatent Et l'histoire se répète Et l'histoire se répète Et l'histoire se répète Et l'histoire se répète On a dit non à la guerre, à la guerre, à la guerre On a dit non on a dit non à la guerre, à la guerre, à la guerre, on a dit non. That was Kenny Arcana, L'histoire se répète, which is, means history repeats itself. And you heard the refrain in that song, On a dit no à la guerre, which means we say no to war. And so uh, thank you for joining me today on Women's Magazine. It is Bastille Day, so a little bit of a French touch to the today's show. Um, you know, one of the, th one of the things that's, that's going on in France uh, right now and, and has been over the past couple of years, um, there's been a state of emergency declared, and that was after the large um, attack in Paris that killed 120 people. Um, some, it was a large coordinated terrorist attack. Um, a, 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 you know, a, a, actually kind of a, a textbook terrorist attack, a group of people um, killing innocent people to make some sort of political statement. Um, and it was a horrendous uh, a horrendous thing. Um, also, um, when the offices of Charlie Hebdo, uh, the the cartoonists' uh, magazine, um, they were gunned down in their offices um, before that. And then uh, just last year, on Bastille Day, there was uh, someone who drove his truck down the middle of um, basically the large esplanade in Nice um, during a Bastille Day celebration. And so France has been on heightened alert, but what they've also had is they instituted a state of emergency, um, which gave police um, extended extensive powers. Um, and we can liken it to post 9-11 when the US Patriot Act, which we really should be talking about more, um, 
was was uh, you know passed and and signed off on um, limiting people's civil civil liberties, creating free speech zones for protest, um, wanting to know what kind of books you check out of the library. Um, so that's so a state of emergency is when the state the country basically says um, we have uh, kind of some some special authority um, be, you know, for the sake of security. Um, but it, what it has done is extended um, police powers in France. And uh, the new the new president of France, Macron, um, who kind of came out of nowhere, uh, he, you know, he beat out the 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 vicious, you know, racist uh, Le Pen. Um, but Macron was kind of this no unknown person from the world of finance. He ran on no party um, and he won. And now he's the president of France. Um, he, he did um, slight our new president who's been elected um, by kind of he was walking towards him at a, at a summit meeting and there were all these like world leaders walking towards Macron and he was walking toward them to go shake hands. And he's got a, he's, he's got an, you know, a straight line on, on, uh, on, on Trump and he's going to go shake his hand. Uh, but as soon as he got there, he turned and took a, made a beeline for Angela Merkel, gave her a hug and a kiss and shook a few other people's hands before he went over to Donald Trump. And, um, you know, and then you see Donald kind of like, they have this like really, hard shaking handshake uh like you know one of those ones that like gets out you know shakes your arm out of the socket kind of thing um you know so i i'm not condoning that actually i think that's a pretty poor um you know way to be a states person statesman uh you know but uh i also don't mind people sliding donald trump so it was kind of kind of in the middle for me um but uh, just in May, uh, the president of France, Macron, he decided to extend the uh, state of emergency again, yet again, or um, to ask uh, the government to do so, to vote, um, to to extend it for the fifth or sixth time uh, since those original terrorist attacks happened in 2015. Um, so we we see an increase of uh, of policing. Um, uh, a stripping away of civil rights, um, not just in the United States, which we do as well, um, but around the world and in countries and in free countries like France, um, our allies. Um, the reason why he extended it in May was not because of anything that had happened in France, but what had happened in London, or I'm sorry, in Manchester, um, where someone set off a bomb at the concert and killed 22 young people. And um, so... After a meeting about the attack in Manchester, France decided, well, let's let's try to extend our state of emergency as well. So there's a pattern here, um, you know, of uh, trying to institute uh, harsher policing um, in the name of national security. So, as it is Bastille Day, the storming of the Bastille, the prison in the middle of Paris, stormed during the French Revolution. Um, today, we're going to talk about prisons um, in the United States and, and, and trying to focus on women as well, because um, women are like the fastest growing population of inmates in the United States. Um, most of them are mothers. Uh, half of them are African-American. Um, the majority 
of women in prison are in there for drug charges. Um, and oftentimes, uh, women are, are placed in prisons that are far away from their families, that are, um, they, they, they charge, to, you know, for phone calls. Um, so there's a, a lot of human rights issues that, that should be discussed in this country, not just about prison reform, but also especially in relation to women. So I wanted to focus on that today. And I want to play a little video here um, from a group, an organization. It's a national organization called Black Alliance. And, um, and the, you could go to blackalliance.org. And I, I kind of came across them because there's going to be an event happening, I believe, tonight. Um, if my, is it tonight? No, I'm sorry, this Sunday, July 16th. Uh, there's a local organization here in San Francisco called Movement. And they're kind of a, they have a recurring gathering um, for trying to bring various communities together uh, for healing, for celebration, for hope. So Movement um, is having a party Sunday, July 16th from 4 to 9 p.m. at SF uh, Public Works, which is over there on Erie Street between 14th and DeBose. Um, and it's going to be a benefit for uh, this organization, the Black Alliance, um, or B-A-J-I, Bahi, or Baji. Um, and so on the Black Alliance website, they have a, a, a really in informative little video here called The Real Crime, uh, Mass Criminalization of Our Communities. And just as their introduction says, and then I'll play the video, uh, which well, you'll hear the audio, of course, and <clears throat> but you can go watch it yourself. Uh, here's the introduction to it. Every day, people of color in the United States are being criminalized for their economic condition, their race, their migrant status, gender, and so much more. There's a pandemic of mass criminalization that is ravaging our neighborhoods and our society. Structural racism and oppression would have us believe that we are inherently flawed, that we are criminals. However, the real crime is demonizing, criminalizing, and imprisoning millions of young men and women, relegating them to the margins of society as disenfranchised, unemployable pariahs. African Americans and other communities of color, including immigrants, are being profiled, surveilled, locked up, and locked out of society. Um, so yeah, this, uh, the Black Alliance is actually for uh, African Americans, but also black immigrants in America. Um, trying to support one another. So here is the uh, video from their sh their website, and it's called The Real Crime. Hmm. Well, you know, technology is what it is. <laughs> Let me try to pull this up on a different... Uh, different device so that we can actually make it happen. Um, but you know, we, we roll with the punches here at Mutiny Radio. Uh, we're a small community uh, radio station and uh, luckily we, we get to do the things we want to do and say the things we want to say. And uh, we don't have to answer to any sort of, uh, you know, overlord of sorts. Uh, we don't have to answer to programming or um, advertising or anything like that. So uh, I do thank you for your patience while we uh, figure out this, um, this little technical glitch. Hmm. 
<laughs> it's coming up, folks. Here we go. All right. Again. There we go. Okay, fine. We are stronger, more resilient, and healthier when our families and communities are together. Yet, for generations, we've been experiencing injustice after injustice. And now we're seeing unprecedented imprisonment, immigrant detention, and deportation that's tearing apart the fabric of our society. Our well-being, our safety, and our access to opportunities are growing increasingly out of reach. You have likely experienced this firsthand, or know someone who has. Like the African-American single mother without access to childcare, leaving her children in her car while attending a much-needed job interview, getting arrested, her children pulled into the system. Or the permanent U.S. resident from Jamaica who was arrested for a minor drug possession, getting deported. Instead of passing judgment on their individual situations, let's look at the bigger picture. Because it's not personal. It's structural. And the structures that are targeting and breaking apart low-income communities of color are widespread, systemic, and historically rooted in a complex web of society's laws, policies, and practices. For instance, we have the War on Drugs, which began in the 1980s, and then there was the addition of the 1996 laws that further codified criminalization and made punishment for crimes retroactive. This orchestrated campaign of mass criminalization broadened the types of crimes that result in incarceration, detention, and deportation, and has led to the squelching of our social movements and our progress. Mass criminalization is disruptive, racially motivated, and in turn, our communities are being vastly diminished. The number of people in prison today in the United States is four times what it was in 1980. Black people in the United States are about one million of the 2.3 million people who are incarcerated. Black women comprise half of the female prison population. In the United States, one in 15 African American children have a parent in prison, one in 42 Latino children, one in 111 white children. And the lack of access to opportunities is only making matters worse. The black unemployment rate in the United States is 12%, while the national average is 6.7%. Extending to the war on immigrants, the rate of detention and criminal deportation is soaring. Black immigrants from Africa, the Caribbean, and Latin America are overrepresented in immigration detention and criminal deportation proceedings by five times their actual presence in the undocumented community. And all Latino undocumented immigrants are disproportionately affected by a wide margin. Ultimately, all forms of criminalization keeps people divided. It stops us from accessing our freedom, exercising our power, and actualizing our full potential. But you and I are here. Our families and communities belong together. This is our right. 
We all deserve racial, social, and economic justice. We must continue to build a movement that makes us stronger. This movement is about you. It's about all of us. And it'll require fortitude and collective determination. Let's create our future together. And that was from the Black Alliance for Just Immigration, Bahi, B-A-J-I. Again, there's going to be a benefit uh, show for Bahi. It's going to be this Sunday, the 16th, from 4 to 9 p.m. at the Public Works here in the Mission District. That's over on Erie Street, 161 Erie, like the Great Lake, uh, between 14th and DeBose, right over in that corner. It's near Zeitgeist. You know where to go. Um, but yeah, they're having a, a, an event there uh, that night, and you can talk to the people at Movement as well because they have a, a recurring events uh, that support different local um, or different organizations every time. Um, so this time it's for Bahi, and so as Bastille Day is is the the, the day here, um, the storming of the Bastille during the French Revolution, storming of the prison, uh, that is our focus here today on Women's Magazine. Um, and specifically, we want to look at women and uh, the state of women prisoners. So there, uh, there's been a bill uh, that is in the Senate um, that has been sponsored by Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren. Um, and this, they're sponsoring a bill that would require federal prisons to provide free tampons and pads and would ban shackling of pregnant women. Yes ban shackling because women get shackled. Um, so uh, let, let me read a little bit from this article here. This is, they put it on the Huff Post. Uh, two Democratic senators unveiled a bill on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, that aims to drastically reform how the U.S. federal prison system treats women behind bars, a segment of the incarcerated population that is often overlooked despite its rapid growth. Senators Cory Booker of New Jersey and Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts introduced the Dignity for Incarcerated Women Act at a press conference on Tuesday. The bill will also, uh, which also has Senators Kamala Harris here from California and Dick Durbin from Illinois as co-sponsors, would require federal prisons to provide free quality sanitary napkins and tampons to female inmates and would ban shackling them during pregnancy or placing pregnant women in solitary confinement. At the heart of the bill are proposals that would make it easier for women to maintain strong family ties with their children while in prison. It requires that the Federal Bureau of Prisons consider the location of children when deciding where to place an inmate, and to create policies that make it easier for inmates to communicate with their families. These include longer and more frequent visiting hours, allowing physical interactions during visits and not charging for phone calls. It is in this, this is a quote from, from Cory Booker. It is in the societal interest to support families when members of those families are incarcerated. We do unnecessarily harsh things that are not necessary for public safety, but really punish women and punish their families as a whole. Men make up the bulk of America's imprisoned population, but the number of women behind bars has soared over the past few decades to more than 200,000 women incarcerated as of 2014. And women are now the fastest growing segment. 
Compared internationally, the U.S. incarcerates women at a higher rate than every country except Thailand. The legislation would affect the nearly 12,695 women who are in federal prisons, almost 60% of whom were convicted of drug offenses. Uh, but it would not affect those in state and local jails, state prisons and local jails, where the majority of the women are held. Most women locked up in the U.S. are mothers, and many have histories of drug use, mental health problems, and were victims of sexual or physical violence before their involvement in the criminal justice system. The bill comes at a time of growing national concern about the need for criminal justice reform. While most of the discussion focuses on men, the popular Netflix show Orange is the New Black has highlighted the plight of women behind bars and touched on many of the issues that the bill seeks to address, namely a lack of proper access to feminine hygiene products, the trauma histories of the inmates, and the difficulty of parenting from prison. While many prisons do provide a limited amount of feminine hygiene products, they're often poor quality and not useful. That means women are in the uncomfortable situation of either having to ask correctional officers for more, which can be demeaning and raise the risk of abuses, or use limited funds to buy them at the commissary. Jesslyn McCurdy, a senior legislative counsel at the ACLU, said, considering the fact that 72% of the women were living in poverty prior to being incarcerated, that often isn't feasible. In 2008, the Federal Bureau of Prisons announced it would no longer shackle pregnant women during labor. How nice. But women are still allowed to be shackled while pregnant, which this bill would prohibit. Again, in federal prisons, not state and local. The legislation was met with approval by prison reform advocates. Uh, Diana McHugh, the director of communications for the New York-based Women's Prison Association, said... Quote, this bill could mark a profound shift toward treating people within our prisons as a whole and feeling and feeling humans as whole and he, feeling humans with a desire to do better for themselves and their families. We hope to see a similarly well-informed policy at the city and state levels, as well as a general shift toward alternatives to incarceration that promote public safety without prison. Judith Resnick, a professor of at Yale Law School said that while the bill would provide an important step forward, sentencing reform is also needed. She said, quote, many women are over-incarcerated. Booker, uh, Cory Booker said women in prison are, quote, in need of therapy, in need of healing, and in need of support. And he called the criminal justice system profoundly unjust. We need to create a prison that, yes, is holding people accountable and, yes, is allowing people to pay their debt to society for the mistakes they have made, but it is also about the dignity of humanity, he said. We've got to be a better society than this. So uh, that was an article written by Melissa Jeltsin and was uh, on Huffington Post on July 11th. So... We are looking at uh, the problems of mass incarceration, uh, the un the injustice of the justice system, and how women are well suffering from it. Um, you know, as 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 stated, you know, with over uh, about sixty percent of the women in federal prison being there for drug charges, um, 
the idea that uh, someone could be in there and shackled and pregnant and in solitary confinement uh, or having to try to buy feminine hygiene products every month from the commissary, um, you know, there's one, one, you know, one thing is to try to punish people, but, um, you know, there's there's human rights too. I mean, if, if, if prison is really supposed to like protect society, then, uh, we wouldn't want to abuse these people further. Um, because how are they ever going to get, get past what's, what's, what got them there in the first place? So you're listening to Women's Magazine here on women's, uh, mutinyradio.fm. I'm Global Val. It is Bastille Day. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining me. I'm going to play a little more music for you here. Um, again, from the French uh, hip-hop artiste from Marseille named Kenny Arcana. Uh, we played a little bit of her music earlier. And... Uh, and again, dedicating the show to Olympe de Gouges, who, uh, the playwright who um, also wrote the Declaration of the Rights of Woman and Citizen in response to uh, the Declaration of the Rights of Man and Citizen that was uh, formed and uh, voted upon during the uh, French Revolution, 1791. All right, let's do a little more Kenny Arcana here. Uh, vie pour vérité. That's for the truth. Madame, Monsieur, bonsoir. Voici les titres de l'actualité de ce lundi. Des questions après l'explosion de violence hier après-midi à travers le pays. Que s'est-il réellement passé qui sont ces milliers de militants qui se réclament d'un mouvement pour le vivant qui ralentissent et parfois même bloque l'activité dans la plupart des villes Trafic perturbé, manifestation massive. Gérard Dupin, spécialiste des questions insurrectionnelles et des nouveaux mouvements sociaux, interviendra dans ce journal et nous apportera un exemple. Mesdames et messieurs, excusez pour la gêne, coupure momentanée de votre journal télé, car notre voix est à chaise, besoin d'exprimer notre point de vue aux yeux du pays, exprimer pourquoi on a clamé qu'il était urgent de désobéir. Nous ne sommes pas vos ennemis, bien qu'ennemis du système, insurgés du règne mis en place par une bande de vipères, nous sommes de ceux qui se sont levés. Pour dire non, fils de la liberté, on se doit œuvrer Parce que leur monde depuis la mort, que tout le vivant est wanted Qu'il ne reflète pas la grandeur que l'humanité porte en elle Perdu dans sa quête des regrets, plein les doigts Dit au tortionnaire qu'on ne laissera pas tuer notre étoile Le sang de l'égoïsme a rempli chaque page écrite Le même qui pourra faire du destin collectif une tragédie Veuillez nous excuser pour cet incident technique semblerait que nous ayons quelques problèmes. Excusez les problèmes techniques, faut dire qu'ils ne veulent pas qu'on vous pose. Notre lutte est légitime face à une politique holocauste qui ne changera pas les choses. Ils ont créé les règles telles quelles, telles et telles guerres, tirant profit du centre de terre, mer au pied du mur, presque prise au piège. Mesdames et messieurs, ne croyez pas que les gouvernements vous protègent. Se prépare le terreau hors pair du plus grand génocide. La famine dans les pays riches, répression, mais aussi des épidémies. Peut-être pour qu'on ait peur de se rassembler ou juste pour businesser un tas de vaccins empoisonnés, peut-être. Avec une puce de danse au reste pour de la surveillance Ou pour modifier nos états psychiques à l'aide de leur fréquence L'Occident construit des camps, l'Europe s'apprête à réinstaurer la peine de mort Spécialement pour les insurgés Oh, qu'est-ce qui se passe en régime Ça y est, on a l'antenne Mesdames et messieurs, nous sommes selon toute vraisemblance victimes d'un piratage malveillant Les services concernés mettent d'ores et déjà tout en œuvre pour tenter... Et j'ai pas fini, au nom de ceux qui ne veulent plus subir La flamme au cœur, un idéal qui ne peut cautionner 
précieux Car le monde sera votre propre sort Les cœurs sont tiradiers, coffre fort par les cadets Des fleurs ont du changement fini sous les matraques des brigadiers Des flics armés au racisme colonial Des principes honorables écrasés car ça ne pense qu'au dollar Zéro au moral à force de perdre nos vies Nourris au film américain et à la bouffe de Tchernobyl Putain, on a dit non à la triche des vainqueurs Au dessin de main devient peuple, société redevient peuple Téléspectateurs, vous venez d'entendre une propagande terroriste faite par des personnes irresponsables. La police nous informe qu'il s'agit d'un groupuscule connu de leur service et qualifié de... Mesdames et messieurs, ne les écoutez pas, pas de débat face au dégât, le mensonge short dans la bouche des médias, ils veulent nous baïonner, aux tortionnaires distribuent des médailles, le pilier le plus fonctionnel du terrorisme d'État, coûter clave une clame et à vous autres, croyez qu'on a plein de belles choses à construire et que personne viendra nous sauver, tout sonner dehors, sur la foi reste Révolution intérieure, dès lors qu'on comprend qu'il faut porter le changement dedans pour qu'il puisse éclore. L'urbain sera l'exode que le verbe nous honore, car c'est les enfants de la terre contre les armées du vautour. Mesdames et messieurs, nous sommes ces jeunes qu'on ghettoïse. Rappelez-vous de nos paroles lorsqu'ils nous tirent en terroristes. À l'antenne, c'était Arca du clan des Wanted, comme un écho d'une promesse lointaine. C'est des conneries. Mesdames et messieurs, nous réitérons nos excuses après cet acte révoltant. Nous venons de récupérer définitivement l'antenne. Nous insistons sur le fait que ce groupuscule étant extrêmement dangereux, tout ce que vous venez d'entendre n'est naturellement que pur mensonge. Yeah, that was some more music from Kenny Arcana. Uh, that is a pretty cool video, V for, v for Verités, like uh, Verités, the truth. Um, so it was a, it's a pretty cool music video, actually. It, it starts off, as you heard it, was uh, a news clip. And then um, uh, the the video goes to, to her and uh, a bunch of other um, kind of black uh, black. Um, block, uh, face covered, uh, anarchists in a room, um, and they've they've hacked into the uh, to the news station, and so they're on TV, and they're like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, don't listen to them. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty cool message. I, I wish I could translate more for you, but and we'll we'll just we'll just uh, touch the surface of it all today. Um, So again, Women's Magazine, I'm Global Val. Peace to you all. It is uh, 2.47, so I've got a few more things I want get, to get to today before the Common Thread Collective comes up at 3 o'clock. Um, and uh, since we're talking about prison, we're talking about justice. Um, that's a very heavily loaded word. Um, justice um, and the metering out of it, uh, especially in regards to women. Um, but... So let's let's hop back to what's happening right here in the U.S. of A. So this is actually, um, I mean, I've been reading lots of articles about this. This article I came across is actually from Esquire magazine. Uh, how the government is turning protesters into felons. Um, here we go. This is by Natasha Leonard. Uh, and this came out in April, actually. Um, so there are obviously more updated um updated articles uh, about the the people who were arrested in Washington, D.C. on January 20th, which was the day of the inauguration, which actually happened to also be an anniversary of Occupy. But um, 
a, a large number of people were kind of kettled together in a what you call police dragnet um, and arrested en masse. There were over 200 people arrested um, in this one incident where there were some black box block protesters who had broken a few windows, um, but then the police came and uh, kettled everybody, including journalists, including legal observers who were clearly marked with their bright green hats, um, and a bunch of peaceful protesters, or people who may have been in the group but had not, there's no proof or evidence that any of them broke anything. Um, so this is a story of one of the people who, um, actually, well, a couple, um, who were swept up in that dragnet. So uh, this is, a, again, an article by Natasha Leonard that was published in April of this year in Esquire magazine. Um, all right. It's crazy. A few windows got smashed, 23-year-old Olivia Alsip said, two months after her arrest on felony riot charges. Why are 214 people looking at 10 years in prison? Uh, Alsip only knew one other person at the protest march that day. The political science graduate from the University of Chicago had met her partner in November when the two had joined the camps at Standing Rock opposing the Decorda Access Pipeline. When they heard about the calls to protest Donald J. Trump's inauguration in D.C. on January 20th under the banner Disrupt J-20, they felt they had to be there. Quote, Alsip says, I identify as an anarchist and I've been an activist for women's and queers' rights since the eighth grade. Alsip is among 214 defendants, 214 defendants facing felony riot charges, up to a decade in prison and a $25,000 fine for their participation in the anti-capitalist, anti-fascist march, which ended with a mass arrest on the morning of Inauguration Day. As far as the student understands, the evidence against her amounts to little more than proof of her presence at the unruly protest, as indicated by her arrest. Like the vast majority of her co-defendants, Alsips didn't break or throw anything. Now she lives in shock over the steep price she and her fellow protesters might pay as the new administration and police forces uh, set the new tone, set the tone for how they will deal with the spike in organized dissent. Um, da, 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 I'm going to jump down a little bit here. Um, that's it. They kind of get off and talk about some other things. Um, veteran D.C. attorney Mark Goldstone said of the charges, in my over 30 years of practicing law, I've never seen anything like this. Goldstone, who has defended dozens of activist cases and is representing six of the J-20 defendants, called the charges unprecedented territory. Uh, dragnet arrests at protests are nothing new. Recall the arrest of over 700 Occupy protesters on the Brooklyn Bridge. Nor is the leveling of serious criminal charges to demonstrators accused of property damage. With a legal logic seemingly opposite to that in the J-20 cases, just one man was blamed for $50,000 of property damage wrought during the 2009 Pittsburgh G-20 summit. He was convicted of a felony criminal mischief and three misdemeanors, but the charge, and the felony, uh, but the charge of felony riots is in itself rare, let alone when applied to over 200 people. So, um, there, I guess, as I said, there, there are updates um, to the folks who uh, were arrested um, during the J-20 protests, uh, kettled and uh, arrested just for, for being, being there, basically. 
Um, and, and that article was just back from April, but there's actually a, a lot of folks who are still being charged. Um, there have been some journalists who were arrested who came out and said that they were actually sexually exploited in the prisons, uh, in the jail, while they were being held overnight and uh, have a, a suit against the D.C. police. Um, and, and some of the protesters are now facing up to 75 years in prison. Um, as of July 3rd, here's an article from Al Jazeera um, called, Why Am I Facing 75 Years in Prison? Uh, this is by Carlo Piantini a social activist and community organizer. And he says, on January 20th, during the inauguration of Donald J. Trump, the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department violently and indiscriminately attacked scores of protesters, journalists, legal observers, medics, and bystanders in the vicinity of an anti-fascist, anti-capitalist march. The MPD trapped or kettled more than 200 people, arresting them on a single felony riot charge with a boilerplate affidavit. The march was an act of resistance against both Trump and the system that gives him power. As part of this march, I was also kettled and arrested alongside scores of others. Nearly six months later, I and more than 200 other people have been re-indicted on eight felonies each. We, are currently, we, current, we all currently face the potential of 75 years in federal prison. Certain memories of that day of my mind... Uh, uh, of the day of, of my arrest and most vividly in my mind, zip ties cutting into my wrists and the taste of pepper spray, losing count of the roaches that crawled over me in my sleep, and the constant horror of not knowing where my partner was. According to a report issued in February by the D.C. Office of Police Complaints, the MPD unleashed a variety of, quote, less than lethal weapons against protesters without warning or direct provocation as a general crowd control tactic. Less than lethal is a very broad euphemism. Thinking about the violence of the police that day, I remember the footage of an elderly woman brutalized by a river of pepper spray. I saw that too on a video. You can see this on a video. Um, and saved from a phalanx of riot, riot police by a black-clad protester. I recall a fellow arrestee in my cell unit with an eye bulging out of his socket like a tomato, the offspring of pepper spray and contact lenses, and how we had to demand that they receive medical attention. Watching the footage from the arrest made me relive the concussion grenades that exploded in the streets. I'm reminded of the mutilation of Sophia Wilansky's arm at Standing Rock by a similar stinger, as it's called, while police doused hundreds of water protectors with water cannons in below freezing temperatures. I remember the blood-soaked pavement outside the Omni Hotel when the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department murdered Justin Carr with a rubber bullet to the head during the Charlotte Uprising last September. So, folks, um, this is sort of the state of affairs, the state of the prison industrial complex, uh, police brutality, police militarism uh, and, and in the United States. And it is Bastille Day, so um, we're talking about storming the prisons. Um, <laughs> maybe not literally. I'm not. I'm not inciting a riot here, um, but certainly flinging open the doors to uh, this national conversation that really, really, really needs to happen, and the spotlight that needs to be put on these cases where peaceful protesters are having the book thrown at them to try to deter other people from protesting peacefully. I want to leave you with one little story where we're just talking about Standing Rock. Um, this is a, a, 
a little side story, actually. Um, in Pennsylvania, there's a group of Catholic nuns, and their property is in danger of being taken over by eminent domain so that a pipeline, um, the, the Transco pipeline, can be extended through Pennsylvania. Um, so these are nuns, Catholic nuns, who live out on the land, and they have a very strong land and earth ethic. Um, so what they did, what they did was they erected a chapel, an outdoor chapel, right in the line of where the pipeline is proposed to go through. Um, of course, the company said, well, we respect the right of peaceful protest, but couldn't they have put it anywhere else on their property? Um, so it would be interesting to see how a small group of, of Catholic nuns erecting a holy site in the line of a pipeline will be treated compared to a whole nation of tribes coming together to try to stop a pipeline from going through their sacred land as well. I'm Global Val. Thank you so much for listening to Women's Magazine today. Um, it's been a, an honor, a privilege to be here at Mutiny Radio to share with you some of these really important things that we need to be paying attention to, but that you're not hearing about in the regular old news. So peace to you all. And um, if I've forgotten anything, you better stay tuned because the Common Thread Collective is coming up next here on MutinyRadio.fm. As we're here every Friday from 3 to 6, the doors, hearts, minds, and mic are open for music, poetry, activism, uh, free thought, free thinking, um, and uh, lots of love and good times. And Diamond Dave's back from the Rainbow Gathering, so he'll be here to uh, give us an update on all that good stuff. Uh, in the meantime, um, just remember... Uh, keep spreading the love and uh just when you think your aspirations are outrageous like hey maybe we'll stop a pipeline in its tracks uh just remember inspiration is contagious peace and thank you and here's a little more kenny arcana called ordre mondial which means world order peace qui est celle de l'expansion, l'accumulation de richesses, le vol, toutes les exactions qui s'accompagnent de tout ça. Les multinationales, c'est eux qui gèrent le monde. Que vous le voulez, vous ne le voulez pas. Nos droits les plus fondamentaux, ils sont en train d'être bafoués. Ils ont créé une guerre économique. C'est un seul et même système. Je suis là, partout. J'ai resserré les murs, j'ai imposé ma surveillance. Caméra partout dans les rues, j'ai approfondi les frontières. Un rempart pour le tiers-monde, un champ de tir pour les empaves. Histoire que les affaires montent, je ne défends pas l'être humain. Je défends les capitaux, j'instaure les règles du commerce en faveur des occidentaux. Je suis l'art de payer en s'en croire qu'on ne vole rien. Au service de la croissance et droits de l'homme, j'en rigole bien. Je me cache derrière des idéologies pour que l'opinion soit d'accord. J'ai imposé la biométrie sur vos passeports, j'ai fabriqué la peur pour que tout le monde soit sur écoute. Moi je veux tout répertorier, moi je veux des chiffres et des codes par Je contrôle vos esprits par le biais des médias, vous êtes à ma merci Les pieds embourbés dans l'inertie car vous vous croyez libre Mais formaté depuis l'école pour vous apprendre la hiérarchie à toujours obéir aux sorts Je suis l'ordre mondial, l'ordre créé par les puissants Contrées richesses de multinationales, économiques Je suis la conjoncture imposée à la planète, j'ai instauré ma dictature Je suis l'ordre mondial Je suis la conjoncture imposée à la planète J'ai anéanti le pouvoir national J'ai 